State Representative Kim Gardner acquired an impressive professional resume before transitioning into public service. And in 2016, she's thinking of making a big move. The St. Louis Democrat joins us next on another edition of Politically Speaking. Nine, eight, seven, six, six five, five, four, four three, three, two, one. Uh, I think that is fair As to say. I say hands to kiss and babies to shake. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I think my record speaks for itself. That's a really good question. Hello and welcome to the Politically Speaking Podcast. I'm your host, Jason Rosenbaum, a reporter with St. Louis Public Radio. Joining me in studio today is... Joe Manis, also with St. Louis Public Radio. And our very special guest today. State Representative Kimberly Gardner, 77th District. This is uh, your first time on the show. We love having first-time guests. Yes, thank you. And um, we're thrilled to have you on. Before we get into any, like, hard-hitting questions, so to speak... Just tell us a little bit what your district encompasses and, and kind of the, the borderline. And the fact that you're a Democrat. Yes, yeah. I am a Democrat, and I have the O'Fallon Fairground Park area. I go through the Central West End, and I have a piece of the Mangrove area. So if you look at my district on the map, it looks like Little Italy. I call it Little Italy because it's very diverse. It's very long, mm-hmm. but um, it encompasses a, a great snapshot of the city of St. Louis. Yeah, and, and they, there are several north-south districts in the St. Louis City area, which means that people represent predominantly African-American areas and predominantly white areas and diverse areas. In uh, the same district. In the same district, yes. which how, I mean, Representative Butler is kind of in a similar situation. Yes. Representative Carla May is in a similar situation as you. What is it kind of like to represent this district? Well, first of all, I love representing the 77 district. It's a very diverse, like I said, district, but at the same time, it's a very active district. So that district really pays attention of what their representative is doing and what um, they're really involved in the legislation they would like to see. So I like it because you have to talk to everyone in terms of educating people about the issues that you think this district would like to see, but they like input. So I, I like the district in terms of their active participation in the process and what legislation I do put forward. So I like it that diversity. Now, tell our listeners when you first got elected and then and then we're going to get into a little bit about yourself. Okay, well, well you want to go to the very first time I tried to get elected or Yeah, actually I was. <laughs> yes, yes. Even though it wasn't it wasn't successful. Well, well, first, how long have you been in office? This is going on my second year of my second term, so about almost 4 years now. Okay, okay. So now we'll go back a little bit. Okay, okay. go ahead. Well, initially I was a prosecutor in the city of St. Louis and in 2008 I decided to run. I guess I would pick the most, the strongest incumbent you could pick was at the time State Representative Jamila Nasheed. It was called the 60th District at the time. So I decided to run against her. I thought at that time I could put forth better policy and I had no support from anybody, but I ran. So I thought, you know, we had to challenge that position and I, I thought I did a good job. But of course, I was unsuccessful and I gained respect from the community as well as Senator Nasheed now. So, yeah, because. In 2006, she won election by a relatively small margin over now Alderman, Alderman Sharon Tyus. And I guess possibly by that small margin, people may have thought that she would be vulnerable. She's proven herself to be very formidable politically. And she's now a state senator. Yes. I, I just got to ask, have you guys patched things up since then? Well, that was a long time ago, and um, we have patched things up. Um, actually, when I decided to run in 2012, 
she actually called and asked asked that I run. So she even supported me for me running for the 77 district. So that's a testament to her and her knowing that I was a, a great opponent. At the same time, I would do good for the district. So. Now, here's how I know I was able to ask that question. I remember on, in veto session, after she had won her Senate primary, she introduced you on the House floor and said nice things about you. So I got the sense then that things had had, had been bridged between you two. Yes, yes. Well, yeah, tell us a little bit about your background, where you grew up, and more importantly, in St. Louis, where you went to high school. <laughs> well, I grew up in the city of St. Louis all my life. Um, I went to high school at Webster Groves. Um, great high school. But really? I was, I was bussed out to Webster Groves. So I, I'm Joe always is in from a Webster city. Groves. I live in Webster Groves. Okay, so I love that school. I'm a statesman, and uh, I, I think about last year, I was inducted into the Sportsman Hall of Fame. Oh, great. Um, so what sport? I was a cross-country runner okay. and an 800-meter runner. I'm actually a, the only African-American woman state champion in cross-country. I had no currently. idea. So, this is why we have people on the show. Now, what, to find what out year about were you the state champion? You want to know my age. I'm 93 and 91. So my sophomore and my senior year. Well, congratulations. Yes, congratulations. That, I mean, that is something. I don't think we've ever had anybody on this show who's as good of an athlete as you. Well, so. I don't look like it now, but <laughs> I was back then. So. If we had Brock Olivo on this show, I could probably <laughs> say something different. H- Hello, Brock, by the way. So, okay. So uh, what made you decide? Okay, so you you went to law school where? I went to, first of all, I graduated undergrad from Harris-Stowe at the time college. I have a bachelor's of science of, of healthcare administration. I got that around 99. Mm-hmm. Then I went to St. Louis University Law School, and I graduated in 2003. Then I became, a, I went in private practice. I worked a little bit. I got the opportunity around, sorry, 2005 to go into the prosecutor's office with Jennifer Joyce. Mm-hmm. So I worked there from 2005 to 2010. Um, in 2010, uh, we were being furloughed, and I decided that, you know, being a lawyer and having all these loans, I wanted to go back into private practice. So I went back into private practice. At the same time, I decided to further my education and get a master's science of nursing from St. Louis University. And it's interesting because there is another St. Louis political figure who is both an attorney and a nurse. That's uh, Mavis Thompson, the license collector. Do, uh, do you guys have like lunches or powwows <laughs> where you discuss your educational prowess or anything like that? Well, I've always heard they always compare my educational pursuits to hers. But fortunately, she was a nurse first and then became a lawyer. I'm the rare instance of where you're a lawyer first and you become a nurse later. So that's the difference. So did you work as a nurse? Yes, I worked a little bit in the VA system. And then when I was deciding to to go further in that system, I was um, basically asked by Representative Jamila Nasheed at the time, to run for the 77 district. So unfortunately, I had a very small stint as a nurse when I was finishing up school and I was I decided to run for office. And, you know, with the schedule of a nurse, you cannot run for office and no. and, and, and do that. So and then you also have expertise in something else. I am a funeral director. <laughs> My family is Eddie Randall and Sons Funeral Home. They've been in business for over 70 years. Mm-hmm. It's a small um, funeral home that's been around in North City. So. I, I'm also a funeral director. Do you does does that, that by virtue of that connection? Do you have a lot of built-in name recognition because of your family's built business that way? Well, in the community, no, I, I won't say built-in name recognition, but a lot of people in that in that area know my family. And That's they what know, I kind of meant. Yeah, yeah, they they know my family, and 
And when I ran the first time, people would say, well, you just should have said Eddie Randall and Sons Funeral Home. But I ran off my own name and, mm-hmm. and worked hard to gain the respect of the people in the community. So you've been in the legislature now for almost four years. You're in a 43-person Democratic minority. I think it's 43 because Keith English is now an independent. Yes. What's it like? It I mean, must not a, be. It must not be easy. Yeah, in a 163-member chamber to <laughs> only have 43, which means you're outnumbered hugely. Uh, yes. How is it? Yeah. How, how do you deal with that? And also, we. I want to get into some of what are. What are some of your key issues and how do you advance them when you're so outnumbered? Well, of course, I would like to say we are not in this. I wish we were in the super majority, of course, but we are in the super minority in the House and the Senate. So um, one of the things that force you to do is you have to to work with people who have common interests. And there are very small avenues that which you can work with people to to have who have common interests in certain issues. And one of those things that I've done as being in the super minority, um, I've worked with the senator, uh, Senator Nasheed. We put forth legislation to allow Harris State University to allow them to grant graduate programs. And that was I drafted that legislation. I carried it on the House side. She carried it on the Senate side. And we worked together. So I think there's ways in terms of you can get things done, but it is very limited in terms of some of the issues that. We really want to address. I, I was going to say, especially when you're in an urban area like St. Louis or Kansas City, and you have to pass legislation that is very specific to that area. Oftentimes, that is the best way for a Democratic House or Senate member to get something done. It's easier to get bills passed in the Senate if you're in the minority. In the House, it's pretty difficult, from what I've understood. So you really got to find specific issues. You got to work with Republicans, and you got to. Get it through both chambers, essentially. Yes, so it's, it's ways to do that. It's difficult, but I think you know we've we can we can do things if we find people who have common interests and issues. What have been your biggest issues so far that you've been pressing? Well, of course, Medicaid expansion has been one of the biggest issues that I will continue to push forward. Um, so I'm up there. I mean, I think we have to give everyone equal access to health care. That's the big thing with our state, and we should past Medicaid expansion, and hopefully we would address that this year. I'm hopeful. I don't know, but I hopefully we, we will do that. Um, also, um, in terms of, of other legislation, it's protecting, you know, um, workers' rights. You know, we, in the veto session, we were basically the other side was pushing legislation, I guess, um, to, you know, overturn the right-to-work legislation, which, you know, right now we do not want to become a right-to-work state. So I'm very a big advocate of workers' rights and protecting them in every instances in terms of livable wages, um, affordable access to care, as well as, you know, we have to work on and look at um, employment in terms of the minimum wage. So um, that's a big issue that we face. We saw what we did with the workers' compensation laws in terms of, uh, you know, we cut workers' compensation um, back. What is from 20 weeks to 13 weeks? Oh, you mean unemployment. Unemployment. I'm sorry, unemployment, sorry. Yes, 13 weeks. So now that's being contested in court. It's being contested in court. Which is what I suspected. But I did want to ask about the the minimum wage thing because that was a big issue in the city of St. Louis. They Mm -hmm. passed uh, a law here raising the minimum wage to $11 an hour by 2018. Uh, State Senator Jamila Nishi was actually there when it passed, kind of emulating Jet Banks, who used to be at the Board of Aldermen all the time. And it's in litigation right now. It's struck down by a circuit judge. It's being appealed. But they did pass a bill uh, over the governor's objections to basically ban every city from raising the minimum wages themselves, which means that even if the city's minimum wage increase survives, no other city 
around it are going to be able to increase the minimum wages. What do you think the impact is going to be if you know the city is somehow successful and they have a higher minimum wage than every other place around them? I mean, you, I think that you know there's going to be arguments that some people say that you know jobs are not protected, but I think that we have to protect jobs. I think it's a lot of employers in the city of St. Louis who are or for raising the minimum wage. And I think that we have to raise the workforce. I think if we continue to say that people can't have livable wages, I think that we're, what are we speaking to? We're speaking to people who won't live, work, and play in the city of St. Louis. So I think we need to start the trend to increase the minimum wage, which most people are for. I know some businesses are not for that, and they have their specific reasons. But I think that a city should be given that opportunity. If they choose to raise the minimum wage, they should be able to do that. So I think that total ban of raising that minimum wage is not good for the state of Missouri. Now, of course, you know, there was been a fight in the legislature about whether or not to bar communities from instituting higher minimum wages or other things. How do you think that's going to play out? I know there's going to be a legal fight. I think it's going to be a legal fight like, you, like you've seen. I mean, hopefully we can... It's, it's going to be hard because I hear both arguments saying that the cities can't do this versus the state. But I think that uh, just the, for clarity, for the 722 that we're talking correct. with, it's it's possible that that could be challenged in court because of the multiple subjects. We're getting uh, really in the weeds correct. here. Yes. Correct. But I, and I, and yes. I should have made 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 yes. clear. I just that want to make sure the General Assembly was vetoed and was overridden. But, but continue. Mm-hmm. Go ahead. So I think that, you know, hopefully we would. We listen to the people. I think if the people in their area want to raise the minimum wage, they should be allowed to do that. And I think a blanket ban against people doing that in these areas, I think that's taking away that local control. Yeah, because one of the reasons I was wondering, since I, I, frankly, I'm not a legal expert, although two of my kids are lawyers. But (laughs) but I did predict early on that that might end up in court because of the different subjects. Mm-hmm. It also deals with plastic bag bans for our listeners. So there is some talk I've heard that they may bring up a similar bill again that's a clean bill, so to speak, to get it through just in case this this, this one yeah, gets and, thrown and, out. And again, I don't want to get too much in the legal weeds, but part of the minimum wage decision, uh, the judge ruled that the current minimum wage law by virtue of occupying the space of a policy doesn't allow cities to, you know, raise the minimum wage anyway. So it's Mm -hmm. possible that a judge may find, and by the judge, I mean the Missouri Supreme Supreme Court, Court may may find that none of these laws are necessary because they can't raise the minimum wage anyways. It's, which would make this entire fight kind of yes. pointless. Um, Some people have discussions of whether they can do that or not, but I think that is for the courts to decide right now. And I think we're, waiting and we have different opinions but i think that we should work to raise a minimum wage in different areas so now I, believe in that. I alluded to the fact that you're in a, a very small super minority but the super majority in the house didn't exactly have a, a error-free or unrocky session we had a <laughs> speaker of the house who had to resign due to sending sexually charged texts to interns you have todd richardson now who's the speaker what was kind of your view of kind of that last crazy week of session and what are your expectations for the new speaker of the house well i think my expectations for the new speaker is to to work with everyone i mean i know that he's a republican but i think that his background he when i've dealt with him he's worked with he's he's worked with everyone i think he has to you know look at even his party's views but at the same time look at the views that we're facing in the state of Missouri as well as the city of St. Louis so I think that he has a big task in terms of seeing how he can work more with 
both sides of the aisle instead of just focusing on his caucus. And hopefully we can work with him as being part of the Missouri Legislative Black Caucus, working with him, as well as being part of the Democratic Caucus is working with him. So I look forward to to working with him on a lot of the different issues that we can work on. But I think more importantly, we have to address some of the issues of why the speaker left this last year with the, I guess, the intern incidents and and how um, interns should feel safe and um, people t- to be in general, people should feel safe when they go up into the Jeff City's environment. And I think that hopefully we can address that through policy and, and different changes. So yeah, we've we had a few guests on our show. and We've asked them kind of about their perceptions of what it's like to, to be a woman in, in the Missouri Capitol building. What's kind of your view of the culture toward women? My personal view of the culture, we need to have one more procedures in place to protect these young interns. You know, I've had interns in my office and as a woman, you know, I respect everyone. I respect the the environment that I have these young people in because I think that leads to them to be a better person if they decide to go into a political aspiration. So I think that we have to look at how the caucuses, the different caucuses run the the intern programs, which that's been some debate of what they they do and can't do. But I think that we have to promote a a unified environment for interns to feel safe. And I think as a woman, I think it's um, it's sad that these things were going on. I, of course, if I saw these things, I would speak of these things and call these things out. But unfortunately, I did not see these things. And a lot of these things took place in different environments that I wouldn't be a part of. You know, so but I think that we have to, one, promote intern safety, promote the environment where these young people can work with different reps and senate senators. But we have to make sure we have adequate policies in place that they feel safe and these schools feel protected, that their 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 precious cargo, these students can feel safe. So I think that we need to promote better policy in terms of the rules and how those interns interact with the state reps and the Senate. I mean, as a woman legislator, have you ever felt that your gender was an issue? I mean, as far as how you were treated or how you were dealt with or, or any of the issues that you were carrying or, or floor well, time, that sort well, of thing? Well, of course. Uh, I mean, of course, I think, you know, I have other strikes. I'm a Democrat. I'm in the super minority. But as well as, you know, there are issues where women feel like they're not being heard on their issues. Of course, we have a lot of debate about the issues we want to push forward. I mean, we are we rarely get some time, floor time. So I think that that is for our caucus in general to speak with the new speaker in terms of let's make sure that we have equal time on these issues that are important to us. And I think as a woman, of course, I want to say that as a Democrat, I don't get adequate amount of time on issues that I would like to talk about. You know, certain issues that we speak on are, are cut off. But some will argue that it's not because I'm a woman. It's because of me being a, a Democrat. Democrat. But yeah. I say it, it could be both ways. So. Now, uh, I've been doing some interviews by the time this airs. Hopefully the story will be have been finished. But on the whole issue of, you know, the whole Planned Parenthood stuff, which has sort of bled over into a resurrection of the fight over stem cell research. And some of the uh, opponents of abortion and stem cell research say they're going to be bringing up legislation the next session. Uh, that's something I'm sure that um, could really heighten the dividing lines. Um do you have any sense? I mean, what's your thoughts on that? And uh, what do you think is going to be happening next session? Well, I think, you know, it is election year, so you're going to hear a lot of these these issues of, of, of like you said, the Planned Parenthood issue is going to spill over to the stem cell research. But we looked, didn't we have a, a voters decide that we want stem cell research yeah, actually, in and Missouri? That's, and that's one of so, the reasons I've been 
and I'm sorry to interrupt, no. but I want to add this context. This is one of the reasons I'm kind of confused and why it's a, it's an issue. It seems like the 2006 ballot initiative doesn't allow the legislature to do anything. <laughs> well, I mean, some well, well, I'm sure some people we would, can do a separate story can, on that. I, I mean, a separate show but, on that. But but, but again, as I've been finding in my reporting and and before, and Jason knows this too, a number of the opponents believe that they disagreed with the initiative. Some believe there's things that the legislature can do. Whether I mean that may be the the courts may have to step in at some point in one way or the other, but as a Democrat, uh, I mean all the Democrats are not uniformly on one side or the other of this, but many of them, many of your colleagues have come out either in support of Planned Parenthood yes. or support of stem cell or saying at least why are we talking about this? So I'm just curious in your yes, I'm I'm support and stand behind Planned Parenthood. I mean I think that we have to, to support institutions that give quality access to care to women. We know that there's, you know, we need these these resources and these services in our in our community. Uh, Planned Parenthood has been attacked from every level in terms of, we heard the report with the, with the Attorney General Coster saying mm-hmm. that Planned Parenthood has been doing everything right. So I think that we have to have real discussions about, you know, we pick an issue in terms of that's driven by politic, political things, but we need to start picking issues in terms of, I say let's have real discussion about access to health care, and that's the true issue. And we focus on um, the different um, pro-life issues, which I know some people say. But to me, I think everyone deserves a choice, and Planned Parenthood is a viable choice for a lot of women in the city of St. Louis and the state of Missouri. So, so I support them. Let's say I, I wave a magic wand and the Democrats have a supermajority again, sort of like in the 1980s. And you you have the power to push your issues to the forefront. We talked about Medicaid expansion. What would be some other things that you would like to see done, not only for the state, but for your district in St. Louis in particular? One, I would also continue to push early childhood education. That's a big issue. Um, I know we have a petition initiative going around to to fund early childhood education. I've pushed that every year I've been up in the state legislature. Um, we need to have to make sure we fund our public schools adequately. We're at, what, $400 million underfunding our schools right now, so we need to make sure we fund those schools adequately. Of course, access to care. Um, we have to address that. We need to look at some criminal justice reform issues that's going on. We heard about Ferguson and in light of some of the issues right now, those things need to be addressed and addressed. And I think that um, I have always continued to push those things and I will continue to push those things. And I think that if we were in a supermajority, hopefully some of those things will be in place. Yeah. Now, obviously, Ferguson is not in your district. It's actually very far from your district. But last year, there were a number of, I'm putting this in air quotes, Ferguson-related bills that were introduced. Obviously, the municipal courts bill got a lot of attention, but other things like body cameras, like uh, police databases, like independent prosecutors for police shootings, and many other things that were particularly introduced by the, the Legislative Black Caucus did not get a lot of traction at all. So now the Ferguson report, Ferguson Commission report has come out. Um, 2016 is an election year where oftentimes it's harder to get really tough issues passed. What's kind of your expectation next year that some of these some of these proposals that didn't get traction in 2015 are going to get any traction next year? Well, as you said, it's an election year, and I think that um, it's a lot of statewide elect- elections as well as uh, the local elections, and I think that some of these policies that we see that the um, uh, the business community has come out and support. So I think that we can work with in finding and pushing some of this legislation. 
I know some are going to be controversial in other in terms of the body cams. Police unions are against the body cams, but I think that the community is calling for body cams. I know that the legislator will, well, the Missouri Legislative Black Caucus will continue to support those and push those as well as, you know, um, different types of uh, and bias training for police right. officers. And so, ju- just for our listeners, uh, the, the reason why you might need state legislation for body cameras is there needs to be some regulatory scheme about when footage is released and also possibly a mechanism to pay for some of these body cameras yes. for police departments that can't necessarily afford them. That's what's happened in Texas. That's what's happened to some extent in Colorado and other states. And I, that was the sticking point last year. And it's not an insignificant one because you have to have regulations behind it. And the the data storage is pretty expensive yes. behind it. It's not free. But it's, as you mentioned, an important thing for a lot of people. Because um, at the end of the day, like you know, with Ferguson is bringing back trust in the, with the community and, and people from all walks of life need, feel like we need protections for the officer as well as the community. And I think that, you know, proposing body cam um, – uh, type of legislation is not saying you're against the police is basically to me putting measures in place to address some of the issues that we see coming out of Ferguson. And I think we need to have a real discussion about those issues. And hopefully I look forward to working with other legislators who are willing to, to put those in place. What's your take on the idea of bringing in an, an independent prosecutor or the attorney general in when there's a police involved killing? I think that because I've, I've heard the sentiments of the community, the community wants that. And I think that we should put those measures in place. And I think that as we see in other uh, discussions around the country, those are options that are appropriate in those instances. And I think that that's a big deal. And I think I will support legislation that supports independent prosecutors. Now, it's interesting that I asked that question because it kind of segues nicely into uh, 2016 potentially for you. Um, as you, as many people know, Jennifer Joyce, the person that you used to work for, is not running for re-election. Uh, she, t- I think she actually told Joe first yeah. about that. Yeah, uh, very kind. We of, uh, had an ex- exclusive on that for for, for about an hour. Um, yeah. And um, I expect that race to have a lot of people um, to enter the fray. We already have. Uh, m- I- I'm trying to think of the names off the top of my head. I know that uh, Mayor Harmon's son has gotten into it. Steve Harmon. There's one of the Roberts brothers' sons who is thinking about getting into it. Um, there, I think Mary Pat Carl yes. is the name yeah, of Mary some, Pat is already in. in and then Jennifer Joyce uh, has endorsed. But I've heard your name circulated as well. Um, I know that you probably won't necessarily announce on this show, but yes. I'm kind of interested to hear if you're interested in running for that position. I'm looking into that. That's a very important race, as we know, um, because a lot of, like I said, right now we're in a crisis. And we have to address a lot of the issues that are that the community are calling for with Ferguson in terms of looking at the region with our violent crime that's rising. So I'm looking into that race um, and I'm strongly considering it at this point. Now, um, looking broader, broader at 2016, we've got you know the, the Missouri Democratic Party still has a lot of holes in the statewide ticket where they don't have people running or they don't have well-known people running. Uh, are there any things that you might be looking at, or are there people who you are um, ad- pressing to consider running, or are you disturbed with how the state party's running things? I'm just curious in your take. I mean, here it is about 14, 15 months out. Well, actually, 13 months out, and there's still a lot of holes. Well, that's a good question. I mean, as a Democrat, I think sometimes some of our, our state party, they 
failed to communicate with us a little bit, but I think that I've heard that for Secretary of State, um, Robin, Robin Smith. Smith is a yeah, potential in. candidate. Um, she's in. And I've I've heard um, in terms of Lieutenant Governor, um, Representative Tommy Pearson is, is going to be running. He, he mentioned that to me in an interview about his church that he was running. I think right. it's official. We've also, uh, Brad Bradshaw is mm-hmm. in that race, and I've heard from many people that Russ Carnahan may be thinking about running, running for that for as well. Governor. Um, so but, but like you said, I'm I'm waiting to see and I'm I'm listening to people that, you know, decide if they want to run. But right now I'm state representative Kim Gardner. Yeah. And like I said, and then I'm, I'm considering looking at the prosecutor's race. So. And, and one of the one of the interesting things is, I, as I mentioned before, Steve Roberts is thinking about running. He's put out like one hundred thousand dollars of his own money yes. in the committee. But from my understanding, he actually lives in in your house district. And if you decided to run another avenue for him, maybe to run for the house instead of running against you and a thousand other people. So (laughs) that could be kind of a it's interesting. Like we've had these multi-candidate city races before. And, um, you know, the treasurer's race where you had four viable candidates, two African-Americans, two white candidates. Deshara Jones ended up winning pretty decisively. And you could have another situation here where it's a multi-candidate, multi-racial field, and you have a situation where an African-American candidate wins uh, overwhelmingly. And I don't think there has been an African-American prosecutor no, there's before. No, there has not, no. not. Not in the city of St. Louis. So I think that will be an aspect that will come into play, especially because the city of St. Louis is a majority African-American city. But what are you kind of expecting if you get into that race? Do you think it'll be a hard-fought, tough race? Or do you think it'll be a friendly, lawyerly race, essentially? <laughs> is any race? No. I think, I think you know, we have a lot of issues that the candidates will have to run on. And I think that hopefully I know how, if I got into that race, I would run my race, and it's based on the issues. It's not attacking any, anybody, but it's about the issues in the community. So I hopefully whoever gets in that race, they run it. You know, accordingly. So, would you have to put any of your personal money into that that race? Because I think two other candidates have already done that. Would you consider doing that? Well, I'm going to fundraise through the people, and um, more than likely, I can't write myself these big checks. So, I'm not going to pretend like I can't. <laughs> I can't. I wish I could. <laughs> I can't write myself well, big checks. Well, thank you so much. Yes, thank you for appearing on our show. We, 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 our goal, I think, is to get every St. Louis City person on eventually, and and. Not only were you a great guest, you are we're chalking away at that goal, so to speak. Thank you. So to close us out, you can read all of our stories at stlpublicradio.org. Follow me on Twitter at Jay Rosenbaum. Follow Joe on Twitter at... Jay Manis. That's J-M-A-N-N-I-E-S. And can we follow you on Twitter? Well, it's KMG77 District. We'll be back next week. So long. Oh,